Welcome to the Council Podcast. I'm your host, Mel Scott, Senior Legal Counsel at a global technology company based in Brisbane, Australia. I'm passionate about all things in-house and I'm so excited to share insights, interview key people in our profession and demystify in-house practice. My guest today is Brittany Leonard. Brittany is one of those people that you just know you're going to like before you get to chat. A kindred spirit, if you will. Brittany is the corporate counsel at multinational tech company Civics. And she brings so much passion and energy to this interview. I felt an instant connection. After starting her legal life in private practice and just finding it wasn't for her, Brittany really took an interesting role and a shift from law to marketing back to law. I'll let her tell you more, but needless to say, she thought outside the box and she's found a place to truly thrive as a legal professional. Enjoy this episode with Brittany Leonard. This episode of Council is brought to you by Markster. Markster provides dynamic trademark services to modern in-house legal teams. A lack of transparency and oversight of your trademark portfolio can make it hard to detect errors and identify suboptimal protection strategies. The Markster platform provides you with a holistic overview of your portfolio and enables you to implement a comprehensive protection strategy. Find out more at markster.com.au or reach out to Kate and the Markster team. Their contact details are in the show notes. I would also like to thank InCouncil for supporting this episode. InCouncil provides people and tech solutions for in-house legal teams. They provide you access to a high caliber panel of sole practitioners, which includes a lot of former in-house lawyers who can help you with ad hoc matters or ongoing support. They also specialize in helping GCs select, set up and integrate the best tools and technologies. Go to incouncil.com.au to find out more. If you aren't already subscribed to InCouncil Weekly, you are missing out. I always look forward to it landing in my inbox. It is a weekly email with bite-sized insights for in-house counsel and creative legal minds. You can find the link to sign up in the show notes. There we are. We're we're off and we're racing. Brittany, welcome to the Council Podcast. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. Thank you. So excited to be here. And can you just confirm, where are you joining us from in the world? I am at Disney World. No, Orlando, Florida. So it is Friday night, February 4th at 1037 right now. Beautiful. And I'm joining you from the future. It's Saturday lunchtime <laughs> in Australia, the, the marvel of modern technology that's, that's brought us here. And I'm so happy we could make this happen. You and I have been trying to figure it out for a few months now and we, we're here. I think the first time we ever had a conversation, I was like, how's the future going? Exactly. Well, I can tell you it's really hot. It's humid. I mean, it's probably like giving a Florida vibe. And yeah, Saturday is a good day so far. Good. Looking forward to it. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Brittany, you must tell me, if you had a limitless credit card, you could only spend it at one shop, what shop would that be and why? 
It's so funny that you asked that because I think my younger self would have told you something like, oh yeah, definitely Chanel or Louis, like love bags, love purses. But now being older, wiser, what have you, I think the more practical answer would probably be something I do every day is, you know, not every day, but Costco. I don't know if you guys have that in Australia, but basically it's like this big huge place where you can get all sorts of groceries you can get travel deals which there's anything that you can want to know about me I love 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 to travel it's kind of like an Amazon but you have to go there I you know I guess you have an online part too love Amazon get Amazon every day (laughs) but I think I keep Amazon in business actually but you know it's funny like when I was thinking about this I was like okay well what's you know the lawyer answer would be like what's your definition of shop because I have different categories for different things I love revolve for clothing so where, where are we taking this now I totally get that. Two things come to mind. You're not the first lawyer to to poke holes in my question and want to do, you know, define the terms and and limit and carve out and just be very specific on the repayment of said credit card. And also my fantastic leader at work, Anna Tichborn, she is in LA and uh, she lives in LA and I interviewed her a few episodes ago now and she also said Costco. So, you know, I get it. I've been there. I know you can get champagne and oysters and bulk everything and diamonds. I can understand why that's your choice. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. It's practical. Love it. Brittany, let's jump into it. I want to ask you to set the scene for us when we think back to your legal career, what was your first legal role? And then how did you find your way in-house? Yeah, so it's kind of a strange story, if you will, as far as like the jump to in-house. My first legal role was firm life. Obviously, you know, many of us have been there, been, been there, done that. So I, you know, worked in a law firm for about two years, did everything from corporate transactions to white collar crimes, that sort of thing. And I mean, between you and I, and obviously now everyone listening, I hated it. I was miserable. I, you know, growing up, I was very much a, I probably still am in certain aspects, a perfectionist. And I strive to be the top of my class, you know, high school, college, and law school, graduating top, because that's, I felt like the need to do that. And when I went like when I, after, you know, graduating law school and taking the bar, I was like, okay, now like I've done all this, I've accomplished all this. Now I can like go into the firm, love my job, feel relaxed, get things done, make a difference. And it just wasn't that. It was high stress, a button up culture, act this way, do this way. If you do it this way, you, you know, you're looked at differently. And I just, I remember one day I was, it was probably about a year and a half in, maybe a little bit more. And I just remember looking at the partners and they looked miserable. And I'm like, I was, you know, two years out and I'm like, do I really want to do this for the next 25 years? Do I really want to be like that? And I just remember being so afraid of failing, so afraid of doing something different. Cause I, you know, I always wanted to live this in a box, perfect style life, never do anything wrong type of thing. And I'm just like, I had that balance of, okay, you could stay here and keep feeling this feeling or, you know, you're already unhappy or do something different. Like there, what can you do? And I remember just saying like, at this point, I'll give up my law license. Like I'll, I'll work at Starbucks. Like I, you know, I'll be a barista. I just remember just not being happy. And I knew in law school, I had heard, you know, going into law school, I wanted to be a prosecutor. Both my parents are 
law enforcement um, in law enforcement. So that's what I knew. I didn't really know anything differently. And I've learned a lot about in-house in law school. But I also learned that, you know, you had to have 20 years of experience and you had to have so much firm life and yada, yada, yada. And I was just like, okay, well, obviously, you know, I'm two years out. That's not attainable. I don't know how it is now. I can't speak to, you know, people coming out of law school if it's easier to get in-house now. But at the time, it was just not something that was really ever talked about. So I just remember I was like, okay, you know, I have a degree in business. I've done marketing stuff. And so I ended up applying to a company for a marketing role. I just wanted like, even if it was a break, I didn't know what it was going to be. I just wanted, I wanted out. And um, when I applied the next day, I got a call and it was, are you serious? And I'm like, I'm sorry, what do you mean am I serious? They're like, your entire resume is legal and you're applying to a marketing position. Do you really want this? And I'm like, yeah. And I kind of explained a little bit, obviously not in detail, but I was just like, I've done this. I can do this, that sort of thing. And at the time, the company just hired their first in-house counsel about six months prior, I believe. And they're like, well, we'll give you this role of marketing if you go ahead and help and assist the in-house counsel that we hired. And I was like, okay, like, you know, as long as I can do what I want as far as legally, like I really want to stay away, that sort of thing. And I knew my background was in business. Like I had been in business during law school, during college, and I, I loved it. I loved talking to people. I loved learning about different walks of life. And I think that's the one thing I really didn't get in a firm life. It was just stay in your office and crank out these motions. I just never really felt connected. And so when I went and worked for this company, I um, quickly realized that I'm not as good as marketing as I thought I was, but I really strived in the legal aspect of it. And I kind of just took off from it and loved every second of it, loved getting into the grind of the agreements, talking to business people, making negotiations happen, that sort of thing. And I think I was about a year into my role. I kind of obviously hired someone for the marketing because Lord knows I wasn't great at it. And I was driving home one night, it was probably a year, year and a half into the first company I was at. And my boss called me and I was, you know, it was after work and he said, hey, do you have a couple seconds? And I'm like, if you know anything about Orlando, uh, we have a highway called I-4 and I was, it takes it took a long time during traffic to get home or what have you and so I was like yeah sure of course like what's going on he's like remember when I first hired you and you said that you never wanted to practice law again and you couldn't stand law and I'm like yeah he's like I'm so glad you stayed in it he's like you've obviously just starting your career in-house or what have you but I see amazing things for you you're just really kicking butt I will say that he used other terms it was something that I kind of felt like, okay, this is it. This is where I'm supposed to be. And I just very, very grateful for where I am. And I say it a lot on LinkedIn. I love my career and um, thankful for every day. Oh, wow. Thank you for sharing that story and being so honest about that dissatisfaction that you had when you first started, because I think it's so common and we don't talk about it enough but your first job may not be everything and you kind of have to spend the first little while of your career tasting different things and trying different things and you obviously had the confidence to back yourself and say look I'm just going to pull back try the marketing and then go, okay, maybe that's not for me, but I'm open-minded to going back to the law, but in a new capacity. You know, that takes a lot of courage and to do that relatively junior in your career as well, I think is, yeah, really admirable. Thank you for being so open. Thank you. I appreciate it. 
So tell us, what does a typical day in your legal life look like now? Oh, goodness. It's different every day. Obviously, that's why I did it. It's exactly the opposite of what my life was like before I went in-house. I always say you can have a to-do list, but it might explode by mid-morning. You never know. I'm responsible for, you know, we are a company with many subsidiaries underneath the head company. So I'm responsible for all the commercial agreements, employment matters, data privacy, intellectual property, some some of our M&A work that we do. Every day is different. That's why I love it. Every day is a variety. And I couldn't say any anything better than just saying it's something that always keeps me on my toes. And yes, maybe being a Gemini, you know, I always like doing different things <laughs> and um, not sticking to the same routine and every day is a different day. It really is. My experience on the other side of the world in a completely different company is, yeah, I 100% agree. I can hear your passion coming through and I think that that's what really connected us initially when we saw each other content online and on LinkedIn. And I think that I had first come across you through the wonderful Lisa Lang, who we're also connected with. And I could just feel that passion. It's like, Brittany's really into in-house. That's my kind of gal because it's, it's, it's how I feel as well. And it's so wonderful that there's so many of us out there that are finding our way to practice the law in, in a way that just really suits our personalities and our, our style of, of thinking and being and delivering legal services. So so I love that that is your legal life today as well. It was so funny when I was telling someone I was, you know, going to do this podcast with you. I was like, basically, she does what I do on the other side of the world. <laughs> <laughs> she is the Southern Hemisphere, Brittany. Yeah, we are kindred spirits, my friend. And the power of social media bringing us together, I think, is, uh, is worth noting. So I want to ask, what practical advice would you actually give to someone who was new to in-house practice, who might have been starting their career or they've jumped from a law firm environment to in-house and they're, they're new, they're fresh? What's that practical advice that you wish you had received and that you would give now? If I were to give two main pieces of advice, I would say learn the business and really build relationships. And I, I can kind of go into both a little bit, you know, learning the business. That's getting into the demos of anything that you market, whether it's a product, software, what have you. Have the business team show you how it works, how it runs. At the end of the day, you're protecting it. So you want to know like what you're protecting. If you need to read industry articles, some industries have a bunch of articles, some don't. If you do, you know, a lot of my job is protecting source code. I know about source code enough to protect it. However, the ins and outs of it, I guess you could say the coding of it aspect of it is just something obviously I'm not, you know, a, a data developer or I guess I could call a developer. I was I was corrected the other day by one of my developers that a data developer is very different from a developer. So I actually bought a book. It's called, it's funny, I bought it at Costco. Everything you need to know to ace computer science and coding. I think it's, I'm sure it says it's like a middle school book. I don't know. It's kind of like one of those dummy books, but it's 400 pages and pictures galore and definitions and it just looks real fun. And every time I bring it out, someone laughs that I'm going back to school, but that's okay because now I feel like I can actually have a knowledgeable conversation about 
coding. And it's something I never thought I would need to learn, but going in-house, you need to know the business. So I think that's, you know, really key to know what you sell and learn every aspect of what you do. And then obviously, like the second thing is building the relationship with your colleagues. You have to build that relationship because you need that trust so that over time, when you're making decisions, when you're, you know, making decisions, whether it's a issue that you're having, whether it's a negotiation, they're going to be like, okay, I know her reputation. I know that she does good for us. I know that she's here to protect us. You know, let me go ahead and trust her enough that she's making the right decision. I I mean, I can even give an example of this. One of the companies, obviously not going to say which one, but when I came in, there was someone that was very hesitant to want to deal with the lawyer. They just wanted to make the sale, wanted to make the business, didn't really, you know, wanted to have a lawyer redline or negotiate, what have you. And over time, they saw how their agreements got better, their issues lessened, and now it's so drastically different to the point where it's like, oh, just give it to her, she'll handle it. And it used to be like, let me micromanage, and now it's like, oh, she's got it, no worries. So it's just, it's a beautiful thing. Well, you were able to build that rapport and then trust by the sounds of it. Absolutely. That's fantastic. And I couldn't agree more. I want to ask about some of the resources, like legal resources that might have been helpful to you when you first came in-house in terms of associations and online resourcing and kind of other other learning. What's out there that, that you would recommend others to look at? The biggest thing I would say right now for me, obviously, I'm a huge part of Association of Corporate Counsel. You know, your local chapter, it's all globally. Australia has it, and um, I'm on the board of ours in Central Florida. Love everything that we do, the events that we hold, CLEs that we have. Another big thing that I've learned, especially, I guess, during the pandemic when we kind of were all separated, there's a lot online as far as blogs and things to know about in-house and things you should know and things to make your job easier. I guess you could say. And so just learning from others that basically are your colleagues, but not your colleagues in the same company, but obviously do what you do. And there's so much good advice out there and just practical knowledge that a quick Google search would find so much information for you. For sure. Let's talk about legal tech. Okay. I want to ask if you think it is overrated or underrated. So I think I'm going to be in the minority here and don't come for me, legal tech people, but I'm going to say underrated. And I think the reason I'm going to say that is I haven't really found anything I love. I hear like all these people talking about legal tech, but no one actually shows me. Obviously, I know about contract management software. Get that completely. There's tons of different ones and some of them are absolutely fabulous. But other than that, like I actually posted on LinkedIn and probably six, seven months ago about like what's out there. Like I hear all about this legal tech, but like no one can really tell me about it. I would even get comments like I hear all these people talking about it, but then you don't really see a product. What's out there to make my life easier? And so by all means, if if someone has something that can make my life easier, bring it to me. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, girl, your DMs, they're, they're going to blow. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. Some of those DMs, they go like, you. I guess they can see when you check it. And so then like, as soon as you check it, like an hour later, it's like another message. I'm like, okay, okay. I got to like, I got to decipher my DMs here. Look, I don't know how many legal tech vendors are, are following this podcast but any of them right now are probably jumping on your LinkedIn and saying hey I've got a tool for you so what is on your radar is there anything that would make your life easier in terms of process efficiency or a piece of technology to handle the operations of of the legal team 
You know, I think if I were to say anything, you know, some of the redundancy that I get, and I think I've done a much better job when I came in to kind of get everyone on standard forms for different divisions. Like I said, we have a bunch of subsidiaries. So each subsidiary has their own agreements and own way of getting things done, I guess you could say. So getting them all to have a standard agreement and not piecemealing things, I think that's made my life a lot easier just in that aspect alone. And, you know, other than that, just like making sure that things I, I don't like repeating processes I guess you could say so once we've done it you know I don't mind teaching you again but like I don't want to keep doing the same thing over and over and we just don't have time so I think that's a huge thing is just cutting out the unnecessary time and money spent where we could be making profit for the business something that comes to mind there that that's on my radar and might be something of interest to you is like a a chatbot that kind of can automate or respond with some pre-populated FAQs for the business so they could say like hey what's our business number for this entity or like hey where do I find the NDA or what's this what's that like just the common kind of FAQs and you can apparently, I mean, I'm, I need to look into this as well, but you can integrate this into Slack and other email systems or communication systems so that you don't have to repeat yourself all the time because we do do that a little bit, don't we, with different parts of the business. I would love that. Like, just like you said, I mean, I get asked our, you know, our tax ID number two to three times a week. So, I mean, if, if that can just, you know, be robot, I hate to say robotic, but if it can make my life easier. Yeah, might be an option. Maybe we can, we'll do a demo. We'll, we'll see if we can find something, but it's, it's certainly on my radar. And I think it's just a, like people are busy and our business partners are busy and they think maybe point of least resistance. I'll just quickly slack Mel or Brittany and they'll tell me. And I'm, I'm just like, but you know, it's on Confluence, you know. Or you know where this information is, but you don't want to click three times. You just want to type to me. And I need to also get better at teaching people to be self-sufficient because everyone has a different threshold for how much they want to do themselves <laughs> and how much they just want to ask legal. So it's a fascinating, you know, the, the role that we get to play and directing people to information within the company. And it may not even be our information, but we just know where it is. It's something on my radar. So something maybe for you to think about as well, we'll see what we can find. And, you know, just like you had mentioned just now, Slack, I hear about these great tools that everyone can put their information and what they need. And I think we have like Monday.com, that sort of thing, but uh, maybe a system that deciphers, okay, what's needed quickly versus what is something that, because, you know, you and I both know we get emails, oh, this is urgent, this is urgent, and it's literally not due for a month, but it's urgent. It's urgent because someone's going on holidays tomorrow. That is workplace agnostic, that kind of situation. That just transverses the world. You know, even, I don't know what you guys use for like internal communication, but sometimes even when I get a Teams chat at 7, 8 o'clock at night, and like I said, it's a very different world from when I where I was to where I am now. So I don't mind answering questions here and there, but it's just like, I don't think this was necessary at 9.30 at night on a Sunday, but we'll go with it. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's an interesting conversation that's bigger than legal teams, but the way that 
different corporations and culture within business, how we communicate to each other 24-7 and being on all the time. It's a, it's, yeah, it's a huge conversation. I don't think we've got the balance right just, just generally. And it's becoming up to the individual to put those boundaries in place and turn off the tech and put down the tech and not answer the phone calls outside of hours or whatever it can be but it's easier said than done isn't it like I I'm a people pleaser I want to I want to help I agree I'm bad at it so like when I go on vacation quote unquote I always say quote unquote vacation because you know back in the day I'd say I'm going on vacation I literally never like I don't even want to see my email but now I'm like I'm going on vacation but I'm bringing my laptop and I'm bringing my phone so if you need something I'll help you like it's like what are you doing like you're going on vacation but I enjoy what I do so much that a lot of the times I don't consider it work because if it's a quick you know question that needs a quick answer I'm not sitting here writing 30 page briefs anymore. So if I can find a quick answer for them or look something up real quick, me and you have both been doing agreements for so long, even if it's an agreement, like we know what to look for quickly if we need to, you know, at a moment's notice. So I don't mind doing it. But like you said, I do do need to get better about kind of separating that. I, I hear you. It's it's a work in progress. And it's, you know, like you say, when you enjoy what you do and who you do it with and who you do it for, joy is joy, whatever. <laughs> Exactly. I love the people I work with. I love, you know, I love what we do. So at the end of the day, yes, I probably need to have boundaries, but I think my boundaries are a lot better nowadays than they were back in the day. So I'll I'll take it for what it is. Love that. So let's talk about managing external counsel because a lot of people uh, may not know, but when you're in-house, you don't necessarily take care of all of the legal matters you're going to take them all in and triage what you can handle in-house and then when you need to brief it out to an external lawyer or even in Australia you can direct brief to barristers which is becoming more common and cutting out that that solicitor relationship if that suits the matter but we get to escalate to the experts where we need that real uh, attention to the law and to the the subject matter expertise so I want to ask how you best engage with external counsel to get that really great service for you? I think you've learned over time. This is how I'm going to say this. Some external counsel are amazing. Some are great. Some are, you know, there to help you in any way you need. Some, you can tell rather quickly, they're just there for the billables and they will do anything to prolong something just obviously to, you know, increase their billables. And unfortunately, I've seen both sides of it. And that's when I've learned, you know, I would hate to say, I hate to say veteran. I'm definitely not a vet. I don't, I don't think I'm a veteran, but since I've been here, you know, in this, I guess, career for a while, I, yeah, experience season, I would say, you know, I quickly can take it away and say, you know, either I'll give it to someone or sometimes it's at a point where I'm like, you know what, I can just handle this. And I've done that where I thought something was going too slow back and forth and I let's have a phone call here let's have an email here and it was just it was getting nowhere and so I stepped in and talked to the other side myself and I said okay this is what we're gonna do and this is all we can do you know what do you think and it got resolved let's just say way quicker than I ever thought it would based on watching councils go back and forth and a lot more favorably than I was being told by the outside council that we had so that was something that I'm obviously very proud of but some things I just don't know how to handle or don't have the time to handle one of them being immigration we obviously have employees on visas in um, certain divisions and I 
don't want to say I have the best immigration counsel, but I do have the best immigration counsel. They're amazing. It's something they just take on and I don't even really have to worry about it. And I know they're on top of things. They give detailed analysis of everything. I mean, to the point where when I first started out with them, they're like, here's books on immigration. Here's some cliff notes, if you will. Like they're just so helpful, so resourceful. And they're actually in Miami. So they know I'm coming down and I've met them before, but I, I can't wait to see them again. Amazing. So I guess where what I'm hearing is there's going to be different experiences with different firms. And of course, when you're in the client side, you do get to choose who you want to work with. And, and those relationships, again, are going to be so key for sure. It sounds like you've got a fantastic relationship with that immigration specialist and, and that makes all the difference. You really touched on something quite interesting that uh, it, was, it comes to the heart of where in-house counsel can really add value because your story there around kind of the back and forth of the external legals who are not necessarily incentivized to be efficient, shall we say it that way? <laughs> Yes. I mean, it was, Mel, it was driving me nuts. And I knew, like, I knew if I got on the phone with this council, it was going to be resolved. And I just remember being like, I was being told X, Y, Z. And I was like, absolutely no way. Absolutely no way. And they're like, no, this is all we can do. This, I mean, they're not budging. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I got on the phone and it was resolved way favorably in our favor. I remember emailing them and saying, this is resolved. I took care of it for xyz and they're just like oh wow that's amazing i'm like that's what i hired you for but okay at the end of the day you probably had the authority to make that decision and you you knew what the the tolerance of risk etc for the business was so that sounds like the perfect place for where in-house just add the most value and really shine and and can drive that business forward so yeah fascinating dynamic working with uh the the externals and if we like we both did coming from that world we we understand a little bit about the nuts and bolts and the business that they're running and can maybe work with that that's that's the thing and that's you know one of the things we can talk about later but i do think even though you know my time in the firm life wasn't great i think getting the experience at least for a year before going in house is so key because not only are you learning how to deal with clients writing motions knowing how to research but you know about billables you know what's you know should be done what shouldn't be done and you can quickly pick up on when something's being done right versus when something's not being done right for sure Let's kind of shift gears. I want to, I spoke on it a little before about how we connected on LinkedIn and and we were both creating content, continuing to engage with this amazing in-house community that's, I don't know, we've just fostered on, it's global and it's growing and it's so inclusive from what I can see. I want to ask you about your journey of building a professional profile online and, and why you wanted to put yourself out there and if you had any fear about doing that. Yeah, so I guess it started kind of right around the height of the pandemic. I never enjoyed in-person networking, you know, before the pandemic. And I think that fear, like you, you know, just had mentioned, I had said in the beginning of this podcast that, you know, going in-house, you had to have 20 years of experience and you had to have this and you had to have that. And I was young. I was, you know, two years out of law school and I just felt very uncomfortable and like I didn't belong whenever I'd go to in-person events and I'd always make sure like I had a friend with me because I just didn't feel comfortable at all. And I remember when the pandemic happened, obviously, you know, we all started working from home and you couldn't do in-person events. And I remember just seeing people host meetups online and do these posts on LinkedIn. And, you know, I, I guess I take the 
people always say the bullies behind the computer. I, I think I take that. Yes, obviously there's bullies behind the computer, but I take that in a different way of, hey, I could start this networking thing, but I can kind of shield myself through a computer if it doesn't go well. And I did that. And so, you know, from LinkedIn, I just started like, you know, reading articles, reading posts, and I would like it here and there. And then I would make a comment. And I remember being like, am I worthy enough of making this comment? Like, do I have enough experience? What have you? And then people were like, oh, yeah, like, I agree with that. And this is how it works here. And yada, yada, yada. And I was like, okay, like, I can do this. I can get this. And then I just remember someone saying, you know, you have a lot of, you know, value to add. Why don't you just start posting? And I did. And it kind of just took off. And I am so thankful for LinkedIn. And obviously, we wouldn't have met if it wasn't for LinkedIn. And so many wonderful people that I've met through LinkedIn, I I kind of feel like is my work family in a way. And it's just it's just really, really great. And it's something that not only do you have people that you can call friends, I guess you could say, but you can also say that you have colleagues if you need help, if you need advice, questions, what have you. There's so many great people that you can just bounce ideas off of that I think is, if I were to say there's any kind of drawback from being in-house is sometimes you don't have plentiful or plethora of resources that you do in firm life. That's, that's exactly right. It can be very isolating, can If you're in, in a smaller team or sole legal counsel as well, because we do have to maintain that professional boundary with our colleagues in that we, we want to be friendly and have rapport and relationships, but we can't just go and like spill the tea on what's going on and why you're so stressed out and it could be confidential. And, you know, you it just it's hard to find that safe space. But like, like you said, finding other lawyers to bounce ideas off and ask, hey, have you dealt with this privacy issue or have you looked oh gosh whatever it might be it's always changing but on LinkedIn there is a community and it's it's not hard to to stumble into either like anyone who's listening that was interested in trying to see what we're talking about just follow myself and Brittany and then you'll see what we like and who we follow and Oh my gosh, Lisa Lang is wonderful, Alex Sue, of course, Colin Levy, there's infinite number of people. It just starts to grow and you just get led by your curiosity, I think, more than anything of, oh, I like what they're talking about. I like what they said here. And I love that you, you've actually just laid out a blueprint as well when maybe someone's coming online and not feeling as confident, you can like and then comment, add your two cents and build up that confidence that you absolutely do have something to share and something of value and then post yourself and then I know you've had speaking engagements come out of this content as well and you know and and here we are having having a podcast conversation I know I I mean I can't tell you my the confidence level of my ability to say okay you're succeeding in your career has just tripled since you know the height of the pandemic and I have definitely found you know my own through LinkedIn and through just being able to, you know, understand, okay, you are where you are, you're good at what you do, and have confidence in yourself. Yes, you've got something to say. And there are people that want to listen. Yeah, we're not operating in silos. We've actually we are having very similar experiences, even though we might all be around different countries, different industries. There is a common thread and a lot of commonality. And you see these things, you see the comments, hear your stories, and you go, Oh, wow, Brittany's experiencing that. You know, that's my life at the moment as well. And there's just a sense of community and belonging. And it's very special. So I, I think we'll always remember this time where we all deep dived on LinkedIn because we didn't really have anything else to do. (laughs) 
I know. I, I always think I'm like, I hope this doesn't change. Like even if, you know, other things change, I hope we're all, you know, still can connect on LinkedIn. And like you said, you mentioned amazing people from Lisa to Alex, Colin, don't come after me for the legal tech now. But there's just, so, you know, so many great people that I, you know, our worlds have definitely changed in many different ways. But one of the great things that have come out of this is just the connections that we've been able to make. Well said. I have one more question for you. I want to know what you think makes a great in-house lawyer. Oh, that's so tough. I think if I were to really like dive in and I'd say be flexible, know that things can change on a daily basis, be okay with that, be a department of yes, don't be a department of no, even if it has to be in a creative way, even if you have to come up with a solution that you would have never thought of in a previous legal role, it's a business. You're there to make money, make a profit. So even if you think it could be a no, if there's a way to say yes, make it a yes. Be okay with taking risks. And I, I think that comes with being the department of yes. Be okay with taking risks because there's never going to be a perfect agreement. If there is one, someone please show it to me. I haven't seen one yet. But be okay with letting things go and taking some risk here and there and just enjoy the journey. I, and I think I, I probably should take that advice a little bit more myself, but just be grateful for where you are. At some point in life, you probably wanted to be here. Now you're here. Relish in it. Enjoy it. Make friends. Make connections. Be the person you wanted to be when you thought about coming in-house, whether that's making relationships with the business people, which like I said, that's probably one of my favorite things in the world is, you know, our employees and learning from them in all walks of life and the things that I learned from them. I think it's hard coming from a firm and going in house. You're so like, oh, I'm a lawyer. I know everything. I'm the best of the best. Like, you know, no one can tell me anything differently. And if you don't have the ability to be like, you know what, there are people in the world that are way smarter than me. I don't know how you can be okay in this career because there's going to be so many people that have done so much that, you know, you've done so much. I've done so much. We all have our journeys and there's so much you can learn from other people if you're just open to it. And it's an amazing experience. So just enjoy it. Well said, Brittany, I have like a smile from ear to ear. You have perfectly summed up a wonderful in-house experience and you are a great in-house lawyer. You have brought so much value today. Thank you for being so open and honest with your journey and just sharing your pearls of wisdom as I knew you would. It's such a pro. Thank you. I have loved this. Thank you. I enjoyed every second of it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Council. Please subscribe to the show so that you don't miss future episodes. And while you're there, it would mean the world to me if you could leave a review for this show. Tell me what you'd love to hear more of and where you're listening from. To learn more about in-house practice, follow me on LinkedIn and Instagram 